certainly counted a pleasure to be here and trust that we're, we counted a blood-bought privilege to be here ourselves, to be able to uh, be built up a spiritual house or offer up spiritual sacrifices, which we trust we've done that from our hearts and this song service, and that we're here um, to honor the Lord and to hear His Word this morning. Um, I'd like to begin in Ephesians with a verse, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. This morning I'd like to focus on the, the thoughts contained in this latter part of the second verse in that Christ hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice. Hath, hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The language used in this has its roots in the Old Testament when it talks about that he has given himself as an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling savor. It behoove us to understand that in the Old Testament, they would take these animals in their ceremonial worship that God had instituted and given to the children of Israel is that they were to take an animal and make um, a sacrifice and an offering in making atonement for sin. And the result thereof, when it was done in a right way, is that it was a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. In other words, it was accepted. Um, this morning I'd like to try to talk about the nature of the atonement. Not only the nature, but I'd say the nature and success of the atonement. Lots of time when we try to hear about the atonement, um, we can talk about the extent of the atonement, whether it's to all men or in general, a general atonement versus a limited atonement or a definite atonement. I most certainly believe that God that his, the atonement of Jesus Christ was for a definite number of people called the elect, which were given him to save, which are denoted in John 10 as the sheep, that he's the good shepherd of, that he gave his life for the sheep. And one of the evidences I find for a successful atonement is in Matthew chapter 25, when the son of verse 31, when the son of man shall come in his glory, he says, and all the holy angels with them, it says, All nations shall be gathered unto him, and he shall divide them as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep, his sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. And the sheep on the right hand will hear the words, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We find that the sheep for whom Christ died, um, they all end up on the right hand side 
in this day of judgment and hear the words, Come ye blessed of my Father and inherit the kingdom. I submit to you that the atonement for his children was a success. When Jesus Christ made an atonement for sin, it was a successful atonement. He didn't try to make atonement and fail. Um, when we look at the, we're going to look, because this is language of, that's drawn out of the Old Testament, that Christ Jesus gave himself for an offering and a sacrifice. That speaks of atonement. So we're going to spend a little bit of time in the Old Testament. I'd like to, if you'd care to turn uh, with me, first of all, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 1. And we'll just make reference to the last part of Ephesians 5.2, where he spoke of his offering and sacrifice as being a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. That comes right out of the Old Testament idea of the children of Israel taking a innocent animal and using it to make an atonement for the sins of the people. And we begin reading here in Leviticus chapter 4 and verse, I'm sorry, Leviticus 1. Leviticus 1. Start in verse 3. And if he, and if the offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering. And it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. I want you to remember what he just did because this is important. We're going to make a point about it later. He laid his hand on the head of this animal. And it was accepted to make atonement for him. Now let's keep reading. And he, verse 5, And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall flay the burnt offering, there's an offering, and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar, lay the wood in order upon the fire, and the priests, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head, the fat, in order upon the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar, but his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, there's our word sacrifice, uh, be a burnt sacrifice, an offering, made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. So here we have an offering and a sacrifice being lifted up unto God, and it's a sweet-smelling savour unto the Lord. That's what he's taught. Paul's bringing this out in Ephesians chapter 5, that Christ himself loved us, and he gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling savour before the Lord. The word atonement's not used in Ephesians 5 too, but that's exactly what he's talking about as an offering and a sacrifice. Christ Jesus. Let's, let's turn Leviticus chapter 16. And I want us to focus on, this is a very important point. What's the purpose of making an atonement? 
the purpose of an atonement. He tells us here in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 30 is what I want. He says, for on that day, I know we're cutting into a context here, but just follow me. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It's very important to understand that the purpose of an atonement is to cleanse from sin. That's the objective. That's what's done when an atonement is made. It's to do what? To cleanse you that ye may be clean from your sins. We talk about the nature of the atonement, especially the success of the atonement of Jesus Christ. It's important to understand that Jesus, the, pur- the purpose of an, an atonement is to cleanse from sin. It's not a process to make us cleansable. It's not a process to make us cleansable based on something that I do or, or someone else does or what I believe or what I think. The atonement is to cleanse from sin. Alright? That's the objective in an atonement, is to cleanse from sin. And we find in type, Leviticus chapter 4, <clears throat> let's look in Leviticus chapter 4, because when we talk to, we talk about Jesus being an offering and a sacrifice, we're talking about, um, well, let's just look at Leviticus 4. I'm going to do a little bit more reading of verse 27. If any one of the common people sin through ignorance, while he doeth something against any of the commandments of the Lord. You understand, you can sin in ignorance, right? There's a lot of people I come across day by day, oftentimes, that think that, well, if I didn't know what was wrong, I'm not guilty. Well, no. It doesn't matter if I'm ignorant of God's law. If I break God's law, I'm a transgressor. I can sin in ignorance. And God had a provision for people who ignorantly sinned and did something they didn't know they were not supposed to do or they didn't do something they were supposed to do. Anyway, he says, if any of the common people sin through ignorance while he doeth somewhat against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, or if his sin which he hath sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering, a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he hath sinned. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering. Notice that again. And slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood thereof with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar. And he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat is taken away from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savour unto the Lord. There's that phrase again. And a priest shall make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. So when you take this animal, and you 
sacrifice and offer it unto God as a sweet-smelling savor, the subject is atonement. He's making an atonement for the sin of ignorance. That's what he's doing. Verse 32 says, And if he bring a lamb for a sin offering, he shall bring it a female without blemish. He shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering. There's again the hand going to the head of the sin offering and slay it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of burnt offering and shall pour out all the blood thereof at the bottom of the altar and he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat of the lamb is taken away from the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar according to the offerings made by fire unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for his sin that he hath committed and it shall be forgiven him. So we've seen several times that an atonement made uh, that sin, that, that, that people are cleansed from sin. That they're forgiven of their sins. Their sin is cleansed. I'll direct you back to Leviticus 16.30 if you need to see that again. The purpose of an atonement is to cleanse for sin. All right? But here we find in the Old Testament we have a lamb. <clears throat> so all this is well and good. But remember, Christ is the Lamb of God. See, all these things pointed in type to the coming of Christ. As Moses was a type of Christ, the Deliverer, there would one that would come after him in the similarity of Moses, Christ. Well, just like Moses was a type of Christ, these sacrifices, this process of atonement points to the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God without blemish and without spot. He is the offering and sacrifice. Christ who loved us and gave Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to make atonement which was a sweet-smelling sever unto God. There's the picture. We should see Christ in this. He is the Lamb of You remember John the Baptist in John 1, 29, when he saw on Jordan, he saw Jesus come to him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. 1 Peter 1, 18 says, For, we, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold for your vain conversation, as received by tradition from the fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Leviticus 13.8 talks about the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God which would take away sin. Who would cleanse for sin through a substitutionary atonement on the cross of Calvary. To make atonement to cleanse the sins from those for whom He died. You know why they end up on the right-hand side? In Matthew chapter 25, I just talked about. Because they've been cleansed from sin. Because Jesus Christ made an atonement. And it was a successful atonement. That's why they all made it. He didn't lose a one. Let's look at this. What is this nature of this atonement? There's a lamb. The lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You go to 1 John, I mean 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Where it talks about Christ. Our Passover is sacrificed for us. 
that, that Passover. You know, they had a Passover lamb. Go back to Exodus 12 where they instituted the Passover. You know, he had the death of the firstborn there in Egypt. All the firstborn would die of every house. Jew or Egyptian, it didn't matter. But God made a provision of an innocent lamb. That you take that, kill that innocent lamb. In other words, the lamb's going to die in the room and place of the firstborn. The lamb, the innocent lamb is going to die in the place for the firstborn. Israelite. They took the blood and put it over the, the top of the, the, the side post and the, over the lentils. Uh, the, around the house, going in. And when the Lord to see the blood, he passed over. That was called the Passover lamb. Well, guess what? We have a Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. If I'm reading the New Testament and I don't have a concept of what the Passover is, I don't understand, I don't read the Old Testament, I'm not going to understand the significance of Christ being our Passover, who is sacrificed for us. We're talking about atonement, right? A lamb being sacrificed. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. You go to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. It says, for Christ, it says, once in the end of the world, he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. There's the word sacrifice again. So he, he, he was, uh, he came to do what? Put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Put it away. Could I say cleanse from sin? Don't forget, the purpose of the atonement is to put away or cleanse, take care of sin, get it out of the way. That's the purpose of an atonement. And Christ is a Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. He would put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. We go back over to here to, to Hebrews chapter 10. That was 9.26. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. It talks about <coughs> Christ Jesus, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He offered a sacrifice. Verse, verse 14 says, For by one offering hath he perfected Forever them that are sacrificed. We're just looking at words. For by one offering hath he perfected forever them that are sanctified. Not sacrificed. Sanctified. But he's the offering. He's the sacrifice. And he's the Lamb of God. He's also the high priest. After the order of Melchizedek, he's the high priest who would offer himself as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Alright? In making an atonement. For sin. Alright, how is this, what, what's the nature of this atonement? How does this work? Well, it works because Christ made, in the atonement of Christ, the nature of it is that He made a substitutionary atonement. In other words, let's just, let's just, uh, let's go to, um, Let's go back to Leviticus. Let's go back to Leviticus. You remember all the references that I, I stopped and said, hey, they're, they're laying hands on this head of this 
animal again? Well, let's read in Leviticus chapter 16 what's going on or what that's symbolic of. You know, you, everybody understands in the Old Testament, these offerings of sacrifices of these animals could never take away sin. I mean, go read Hebrews chapter 10. They could never. It just brought a remembrance of sin. But this is all in type and points to the coming of the true Lamb of God, the Lord's Passover, who would, who would, uh, make one sacrifices for sins forever. He'd do it one time to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Then it'd be done. Those pointed to a better sacrifice, a better offering, which is Jesus Christ. But these Old Testament ceremonial worship of all these offerings and making an atonement points to Christ and what He's done for His people. What He did for His people. So we see here in Exodus chapter 16. Once a year they had the, you know, they had all kinds. They had morning and evening sacrifices and they had sin offerings and peace offerings. They had, uh, burn offerings. You know, lot to take in. But they also had the day of atonement they did once a year. They took two goats. A live goat. And they'd have one that would be slain. Innocent animals. Alright? And what's fixing to happen is, let's just read it here in Leviticus chapter 16. Verse 20. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat. And if you don't understand what that's talking about, we're fixing to find out what's happening by laying the hands on. He says, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat. We're talking about a transference of sins. What's symbolic here? Confessing, put your hands on the head of this innocent animal without blemish put your hands on his head confess all the sins iniquity transgressions of the children of Israel and it's symbolically yes putting them upon the head of the goat then that live goat is sent off in the wilderness you know what he's doing he's carrying away their sins gone forever in other words the idea of a substitute This animal is taking upon the sin. And in their, these sacrifices, when they lay their hands on, this idea is the sin is transferred or put upon or taken upon this innocent animal. And in this case, he goes off live, but in other cases, he dies. He's killed for the sins of the people so that they don't die. The soul that sinneth it shall die. That all is pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, which would take away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ. We're talking about substitution. This atonement is a substitutionary atonement. Because Christ, it says over in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For He was made to be sin for us, for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 
What a transaction. He was our substitute. He was made to be sin for us. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. He bare our sins. Our sins were placed upon him and he became sin for us. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, had no sin of his own. Like a harmless lamb. No spot, no blemish. And He freely took our sins in His own body. Substitution for us. He gave Himself, as the text says over there in 5.2 of Ephesians, He gave Himself for us. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, For Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For us. That means in our room instead, in our place. As a substitutionary Lamb of God, which would take away their sins. The nature of the atonement is that sin was in type, was transferred to those animals. The sins of the people. And the animal dies so that they don't die. They bear the consequences of the sins instead of the people. See, Christ would was a substitute. In Isaiah 53, it says in verse 5, he says, for he was wounded for our transgressions, not his own. We see substitution all through this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was, verse 8 says, he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. Was he stricken? See, he had our transgressions. He had our iniquities. He had our sins. And he took them upon himself. For he was made to be sin for us. Even though he knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, he took our sins and gave us his spotless righteousness. Which is the character and quality of being right. You know, there's only one way. There's a lot of ways to be wrong. There's only one way to be right. One way to be right with the Lord, and that's through the righteousness of Jesus Christ that He gave us. By one man's disobedience, it says in Romans five nineteen, for by one man's disobedience, that is Adam, many were made sinners. Even so, by the obedience of one, that is Christ, shall many be made righteous. He took our sins as a substitute. And He endured the cross. He bare our sins in His own body on the tree of the cross. And He was cut off out of the land of the living. Not for His own transgressions, but for the transgressions of the people was He stricken as a substitutionary Lamb of God. Substitution. Well, Isaiah 53 Verse 11 says, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. He bear our sins in his own body on the tree of the cross. He bear our iniquities. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean for him to bear our iniquities? Is that just words? Turn with me to Numbers. Chapter 14. <clears throat> when the children of Israel 
believed the ten evil reports. And they finally left Sinai and they made it there to Kadesh Barnea and about to go in into the land. You know, the ten spies, two brought back, Joshua and Caleb brought back good reports. They were, were well, well able to go in and conquer this land because the Lord's with us and he's promised to deliver it into our hands. But ten brought back that evil report. And they believe the evil report. We can't go in. There's giants. There's walled cities, whatever. God says, you've tempted me now these ten times. Guess what? I'm not going to let you go in. You're not going in. You're going to wander in this wilderness till all that are 20 years and older have died. But I'm going to bless your children to go in. All right, well, <clears throat> this is the context here, Numbers 14. He says, verse 30, he says, Doubtless she shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, them will I bring in and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Here's what I want, verse 34. He says, After the number of the days in which ye searched the land, even forty days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. He said every day, it was forty days, forty years. He says what? He says, Each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities. I submit to you that they were bearing the punishment or consequences for their iniquities. You see that? He says, you're going to bear your iniquities these 40 years. That was the consequences of their iniquities. It's, they're bearing the punishment. When Jesus says that he, it says that Jesus bore our iniquities. It means he endured and bore the punishment for our sins that was due us. That's how he made an atonement. Over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us unto God. That's reconciliation. In his work as a Lamb of God, who would make atonement. There's suffering. When he talks about he bore our sins, there is suffering. There is anguish. In Hebrews 13, verse 12, it says that Christ also, that he, that he might sanctify the people, suffered without the gate. There's suffering. Over in Isaiah 53, it says he shall see the travail of his soul. Why travail? Because there's suffering. He suffered in a few short hours upon the cross what it would have taken us an eternity in the pit of hell in the flames of the lake of fire to pay for it and we never get it paid. Jesus suffered. You know why he cried out there in Matthew 27, 46? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he was drinking the cup of God's wrath for the sins that he bore in his own body on the tree of the cross and he was being under the curse. Cursed is everyone who hangeth upon a tree. And that's when he redeemed us from the curse of the law. In Isaiah 53, it says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He says the chastisement of our peace 
was upon him. You know what that means? The chastisement of our peace? It means the chastisement punishment related to our peace with God was laid upon him. He suffered the just for the unjust. That's what it means when he bore our sins. He was made to be sin and he endured. He satisfied God's justice against our sins in his own body on the tree. He bare, who his own self bare our body, our sins in his own body on the tree. And we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. <coughs> he says, for by his stripes ye are healed. Quoting right out of Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. That's what I mean by substitution. He endured the stripes. He endured the wrath of God. He endured the suffering for our sins. That's how he made an atonement. Jesus paid it all. All the debt I owe. We sing that song, Jesus paid it all, all for him, all to him I owe. That's good too, but some of those songs said, He paid all the debt I owe. Jesus paid it all. All the debt I owe. In drinking the cup of God's wrath against my sins. And he was, that's when he was made to be sin for us. And that's why, seen through the blood of Christ, I am right and righteous in the sight of God. Through Jesus Christ. Through his substitutionary atonement. What was his purpose of the atonement? It's always to be cl- to cleanse from sin. And I find in Isaiah chapter 53. It says he shall see the travail of his soul. And shall be satisfied. I'm going to tell you the father. Was satisfied with the offering of Jesus Christ. When he was made to be sin for us. In his work of the atonement. And that's why his work was a success. That's the nature of it. But it was also a success. What do you mean? A success. Well, it says over in Hebrew, I mean, uh, Revelation 1, 5, it talks about who washed us from our sins in his own blood. Talking about atonement. He didn't just make us washable. There's a lot of people believe today, you know, well, you know, I'm not atoned for. <clears throat> Until you do this, this or that, and you, you, you get redemption. Well, I'm going to tell you what, if Jesus Christ didn't atone for your sins on the cross, they'll never be atoned for. Never will. That's the place of atonement. He died unto sin one time. And His purpose was to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. We find over there in Hebrews 1.3, it talks about Jesus Christ, the express image of the person, and upholding all things by the word of His power. When He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What did He do before He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high? You know, He was resurrected from the dead, and He went and ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high. Do you know one of the things He did before He left? He put away sin. When He had by Himself purged our Sins. If Jesus Christ did not purge my sins on the cross of Calvary over about 2,000 years ago, my sins will never be purged. He died unto sin one time. In other words, Jesus Christ did not just do His work as an atoning mediator to make sin purgeable. 
lot of people believe, well, you know, our sin's purged. Well, He just made a way that I could somehow cleanse my sins. If I believe a certain thing, if I'll do a certain thing, then my sins will be cleansed from the sight of God and I will have redemption. My sins will be purged. Well, I thank God for the sensible sight that God blesses me to understand that my sin was put away as far as the east is from the west. But my friends, it's not put away when I believe it. It's put away through Jesus Christ who put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. He got the job done. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. It is a successful atonement. Listen to the words. Christ hath redeemed us. Is that past tense? That's past tense. Christ has, He didn't just make us redeemable. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Do you know when He redeemed us from the curse of the law? It was while He was being made a curse for us on the cross drinking the cup of God's wrath. And the Father looked and was satisfied with His offering, satisfied with His work as a Savior. And through that experience, He put away sin by the sacrifice, put it away, not made put awayable. I don't know if that's a word. He didn't make our sins put awayable. When He had by Himself purged our sins, or purgeable, when He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's a done deal. Legally before the Father, He put away sin. What's the purpose of atonement? To cleanse from sin, to put it away. Theologians call that expiation of sin. It's putting it away. And He appeared once in the world to put away the sin. He was manifested to take away our sins. He came to His name was called Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. And being made perfect, it says over in Hebrews, I don't know where, being made perfect, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. He became the author of eternal salvation while He was there on the cross. See, it's a done, it's, we look, that's why we look back to the cross. He died for my sins and bare and suffered in my room instead as a substitutionary atonement and made atonement for my sins on the cross or I'll never have atonement. He redeemed me from the curse of the law on the cross of Calvary or I'll never be redeemed from the curse of the law because that's the only place it took place as a substitute for us. That's one of the reasons I believe if those for whom Jesus died and bore the wrath of God for their sins that the Father was satisfied for, they're never going to be in the bad place. All for whom Christ died as a substitute and bore those sins in His own body and suffered for those sins. Those for whom He did, they're free. And I'm thankful to the Lord that He's blessed uh, His children to understand and know some of those things. But knowing those things not what makes it so. When he had by himself purged our sins. See, he did something before he went back and ascended to the Father. He'd already purged and put away, cleansed us from our sins. That's what my faith goes back to. That's what the Holy Spirit bears witness in my heart. That he loved me and he gave himself for me. He put my sins away. It's a great thing. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Whether well, he do it or not, he sure did. It's a faithful. He came in to save sinners. But you know what makes me rejoice and lifts me up with joy unspeakable and full of glory is when the Holy Spirit bears witness in my heart that He died for this sinner. He loved me, gave Himself for me. But an understanding of that 
is not what makes it so. It reflects back upon what Jesus already did when he had by himself purged our sins. Guess what? He sat down at the right hand. Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Verse 10. Verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Verse 10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, even so be reconciled, we should be saved by His life. The part I want out of that is, he's making an argument, he says, We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. He didn't say make us reconcilable. He says, You were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. When you were an enemy. And if you're not, if you've never been an enemy of God, you've never been reconciled. Christ died for the ungodly. If you've never been ungodly, uh, he didn't die for you, evidently, because he died for the ungodly. But whether you can find a person who says, well, no, I'm not a sinner. Well, you know, just because of what he believes doesn't make him not a sinner. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes think, people, it's in the now. You know, whatever you think, that's what you are. No. You're, you think you're redeemed? That's not what made you redeemed. You believe and are persuaded by the Holy Spirit of God that your sins have been forgiven you? That's not why you're forgiven. Just because you know it. Believing the truths of what Jesus did on the cross don't make, doesn't make it so. When He had by Himself, He purged our sins. Redemption. Not by the blood, Hebrews 9, verse 45, verse, Hebrews 9, 12. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by, you know, we've been talking about goats and calves, right? That's just in time. He says, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Sounds like it's a done deal. He's not redeeming people anymore. He's not making atonement anymore. We look back to the cross. He bare our sins in His own body on the tree of the cross. The nature of the atonement is a substitutionary atonement. When He took our sins upon Him and He paid it all, all the debt I owe and everyone that He paid the debt to because He is successful, they're going to end up with Him in glory. They're going to hear the words, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Because Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that He suffered the just for the unjust as a substitute in my room instead. He was made to be sin for me that I might be made righteous. The righteousness of God in Him. The nature of the atonement. I'm going to tell you, it was a successful atonement. A finished work. Now he's at the right hand of the Father and he's going to come again one of these days to bring back all the ones that he's already bought and paid for. You die and your spirit and soul go to be off to be at the Lord. That's great, but you still have a body somewhere on this earth after you die that's called the purchased possession for which the Son of God is going to come back because he... He bought us body, soul, and spirit. And what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. May God richly bless you is my prayer.